Hey y'all, welcome to Dwell at Home. We are so excited that you're joining us for our seventh and final week of our series, 23 and Me. When Pastor Eric and I were examining that beautiful time where one year closes and another one begins, we knew that it was a time full of motivation and inspiration and determination. Everyone is fired up to make their life better. And we felt God nudging us to use this time to encourage the Dwell family to go grow closer to God. So we've been reviewing spiritual disciplines that you can put into place in your life to truly develop and take your relationship with God to the next level. It's been so great. And today I'm excited to be closing out this series with what I believe is the spiritual discipline that if you figure it out and put it into practice in your life is the single most impactful thing you could ever experience. This is prayer. In Ecclesiastes, there is this beautifully poetic passage that's always been very impactful to me. It reads like this, Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 4. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. This passage continues for several more verses and it's expressing the areas of life where we need to pause and we need to dwell and we need to experience it. And the times where we need to get off our butt and take some action and get things done. Towards the end of this passage is two of my favorites. There's a time to be quiet and a time to speak. Frankly, you could get really excellent at every other spiritual discipline we've talked about, but without prayer, you'll feel like something is missing. Prayer is like the glue of all of these things. It binds everything together. It keeps us close. So today, if there's a time for everything, Dwell Church, today is the day to take our prayer life to the next level. Today's message is titled, We Need to Talk. God, I thank you so much for this amazing group of people tuning in to hear your word today. I pray that as they're here and as they're listening, you would be speaking a thousand messages to them, God, more words than I could ever say. And I pray that they would feel so much closer to you by the time they leave here today. Allow us to listen and receive and grow together with you and in this community of believers. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever had tried to have a good conversation with a toddler? So our son Rigby will turn two next month, and he's in that phase where he will look at you dead in the eye, and he is so certain that he's saying exactly what he wants, but what comes out is just gibberish. It's the wrong word or it's not even words. It's babble. It's nonsense. And 
the thing is he chatters away all day long. He just keeps talking in his car seat. He's just talk, talk, talking. Maybe to me, maybe to someone else. He tries to give his brother or his dog orders that no one really understands. And he's all perfectly content, even though no one has an idea what he's trying to say half the time. He just keeps talking and we, his family, keep listening. Even though we can't fully understand each other, we end up having some very meaningful conversations. Recently, through conversation, we've taught him how to feed the dog. We're talking about the potty. We know that Rigby loves his babies and his blankies. These conversations are meaningful and lead to understanding because we, his family, are in relationship with him. We interact with him each and every day, and we're learning and growing together. But when we have babysitters, we make sure that they know his big brothers can help translate for him. They can help him figure out what Rigby's asking for. I think we can learn something very important from this. In the absence of relationship, we need a translator. I think many of us have felt this way when it comes to prayer. And thank God that he gave us his church. He gave us this community that he so desperately wants us to be a part of, to fulfill some of this purpose in our life. The church can come to the rescue because God so often talks to us through our brothers and sisters in Christ. He sends words of encouragement and words of knowledge and and so many other things through our Christly brothers and sisters. So it is important to be in community. And to an extent, he really intended for us to get these types of translations in church. This is why he has gifted some people to communicate and to teach his word because he knew it might be hard for us sometimes. And he knew some of us would have quite a journey to grow in this relationship with him. Unfortunately, at some point, I think we collectively began to use the church as a crutch. And the church started to enable people to rely more on the organization than the one we were there to build relationship with. Church became less about God and more about what we were wearing or who we were sitting by. Churches and churches' communities slowly shifted to depend more on the pastor or our relationships together than we did on God. So slowly, our relationship with God became more and more distant until we forgot how to talk to him. Now, I know this is a generalization. This is not true for every person. This is not true for every church. But I have talked to so many of you who have expressed that when you go to pray, when you go to talk to God, that it feels weird, it feels strange, it feels forced, and you just can't figure it out. This is because there's a lack of familiarity. There is a lack of relationship with the one you're talking to. In order to feel closer to God, we need to talk. So let's think about this for a second. Who in your life is it easy for you to talk to? For me, this has almost always been my mom. At a young age, just like Rigby, I started talking to my mom. And if you ask her, she'll tell you, I talked a lot. 
a lot. In fact, it became common practice in my family. If I was starting to tell a story, they would say, how long is this story? And I would tell them like five minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes. And what my family would respond with is, Natalie, we need the Reader's Digest version. Ooh, some of you may not know what that is. Um, we need the Cliff Notes version. Okay, some of you still may not know what that is. I'm showing my age a little bit, I guess. Um, this was Twitter, folks. My family wanted me to share my life, my whole life story, in 140 characters or less. And it was frustrating. I wanted to be listened to, but I kept talking and I was so excited to talk to them because they were easy to talk to, because I knew them and they knew me, especially my mom. I think we can learn a lot about prayer and the progression of our conversation with a child and a parent. Now, before I go any further, I understand that many of you may have strained relationships with your parents. So you may have lost your parents. And so this might not be the perfect analogy for you, but I think you've seen some parent-child relationships that you can find this value in, or you can think of another relationship you've experienced in this way. So don't let that break this analogy, break this closeness to God down for you. Because I don't think it's a mistake that God attributed the familial relationship between us and him as father and child. Romans 8.15 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. God sees us as his sons and daughters, and he wants to continue a conversation with us. So it's important to remember, as we mature in our relationship, we will also mature in our relationship with God. So where do we start? Well, I started talking to my mom as a baby. The first thing we do as a baby is we start making sounds, mimicking. We're babbling, mama, dada, dog, dog. We're learning just how to push sound out of our mouths. And half the time it's more spit bubbles than anything. It seems like nothing useful is coming out, but if you pay attention, there's actually a lot of learning and development going on in this phase. There's relationship building, and there's this understanding of repeat after me, back and forth exchange that starts. In the infancy of your prayer life, simply repeat after me. The Bible is so full of so many meaningful and impactful prayers. There's a book right in the middle. It's called Psalms. And in there, you can find a prayer for every situation in your life. I can almost guarantee it that if you're going through something, you can find a prayer to relate through there. If you're celebrating something, you can find a prayer to relate to there. It is so full of emotion and crying out to God and love and relationship that there is something there that will speak to you. Probably the most notable prayer in the Bible is referred to as the Lord's Prayer, and it's simple, straightforward, easy to memorize, but powerful. And this prayer can be found in Matthew 6. It's as simple as this. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If you've never prayed a day in your life, or you've never prayed consistently, don't expect to have this intricate, unique, and totally you language developed on day one. Just start talking and trust that God is listening and can hear beyond your words. If you need help, repeat after me. Use something like the Lord's Prayer or another one you find in the Bible. Repeat it over and over and over again and watch it start to mean something. Watch it start to build that relationship. Something I think is really interesting to know as we're looking at this language development is that babies often don't get their first word, one single word, until around one year old, 12 months into their life, and they finally have done all this work and all this practice and development, and they can say one word. So take the pressure off. Give yourself some grace as you are starting this journey with prayer and this conversation with God. Understand that it's not going to happen overnight. But here's the other really cool thing is that while a 12-month-old has one word, an 18-month-old on average has between 5 to 40 words. This is growth by 40 times in six months. So the time it took to get one word, we've now grown half of that time. We've now grown by 40%. This is exponential growth, just like your conversations with your parents grow and multiply. God wants to multiply your prayer life. God wants to multiply your prayer life. You see, at two years, right where Rigby is, our little babbler who no one can understand, children have between 150 to 300 words, and they've started to do these two to three word short sentences. And this is where some of the fun really begins, because you can truly start to talk, right? Rigby's favorite phrases are, my baby, and I want orange. We hear those over and over again because he's finally able to truly express his needs, his desires, what he wants, where he wants to go. But you'll notice, as with most toddlers, these are a little bit self-centered. In your prayer life, as you develop and grow, it's natural to focus on what you want to talk to God about. When I was little, I would come home from school each and every day, and I could not wait to share with my mom about my day. And I wanted to give her the play-by-play, all the details, not the 140-count story. I wanted her to be in my world, to know what I had experienced, to know what I'd learned. And by telling her more and more about me, I felt like she could truly know me. This is what we want to feel in our relationship with God. So it's natural to have a me, me, me phase as we continue to develop our prayer life. We keep practicing language and we learn more and more and continue to experience this exponential growth as we grow up as kids. By four years old, we have over 2,000 words and sentences of five words or more. Our middle child, Marvel, is actually right about at this stage. He tells us the most wonderful stories. And what's interesting is every now and then we still need that translator. We need his big brother to tell us when he says, I want to watch the platypus. That actually means he wants to watch an episode of Phineas and Ferb. 
So these conversations, they're not perfect. They're still a little disjointed, but the really cool thing that he's starting to do is truly shift them to conversations. He will share with us something and then he will ask a question and he'll pause to listen. You see, this is a crucial stage in the development of our prayer life. I think so many Christians miss it here. So stick with me. We get stuck or discouraged or we regress backwards. When a child is not hitting these targets of language, it's a sign that something's maybe not as it should be. So we need to apply that principle to our faith life as well. In my years of ministry, I've seen so many Christians get stuck at the repeat after me phrase. In fact, there's entire denominations that so focus on this repeat after me, the same prayer over and over again, that it's hard for those people to develop a prayer life beyond that. I see other Christians who get stuck in the me, me, me. They have this self-centered, one-sided conversation with God, and then they turn around and wonder why he's not answering any of their prayers. Sometimes we make everything I've talked about so far a rule instead of a developmental step we should move past. We become stuck in ritual and religion, so we miss relationship. If you feel yourself stuck in one of these phase, in one of these phases, like you can't get past that next wall with God, consider this. Sometimes we need to talk, and sometimes we need to shut up and listen. As a kid, listening was about following instructions, but as an adult, listening has become more and more about knowing and hearing the person that I'm talking to. It's become about learning. And I'll never forget, I feel like the first time I truly felt this with my mom. She'd taken me out to Panera and I was about 16 years old. And to be honest, (laughs) I think as you know, 16 years old, 16 year olds, we feel like we've got it all together. Um, actually I was 18. This is even better. I was, I was like 18. It was my senior year of high school and we think we've got it all together, right? We think we've progressed so much past this two-year-old version of us. Um, and my mom shared this big news with me. She was all smiley and giggly and joyful. And to be honest, I didn't react that well. I listened And I heard her, but I was kind of snotty about the response. I continued to make it about me, but I listened just enough to learn something from her that day. You see, she had shared that she was getting married. And I remember teenage me being a little weirded out. Like, what is this going to be like? Why is my mom giggly like a middle school girl? And I realized that I was learning a couple things about her. One, my mom was joyful. I wasn't sure, honestly, that I'd seen her joyful all that often in my life. And so this was really exciting. And the other thing I learned is that because she was so joyful, I knew she was in love. You see, I think it's important that we know it was a very long time before I started to listen to my mom regularly. For basically all of my teenage years, I gave her help. I communicated poorly, angrily, spitefully even. When she talked, I rarely listened. Sometimes there was a long silence as I moved into college between our conversations, and I began to feel more distant. 
Here's what I knew though, from years of conversation and development and relationship, no matter what, my mom was there ready to talk, ready to listen, ready to sit in silence together. My mom was always there. At 32 years old, other than Eric, my mom is still the person I talk to the most. More than my friends, more than my coworkers. If I'm facing a challenge, I want to tell my mom about it. If I need some advice, I want to tell my mom about it. If I need a, need advice, if I want to celebrate something, if my kids are driving me nuts, I want to talk to my mom. And the funny thing is, the more I talk to my mom, the more excited I am to talk to my mom. And this is what our prayer life can look like. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor for these are gifts from God. God made everything beautiful for its own time and desires that we are happy. So what's holding us back from building this relationship and having conversations with Him? If I'm being really honest, part of the reason it's easy to talk to my mom is because she's a real person standing right in front of me that I can see and touch and read facial expressions. Our best conversations are when we are in person, face to face. Unfortunately, we don't live in the same city, so so much of our conversation, so much of our relationship has shifted to be a telephone conversation. Thank God for FaceTime where we can still see some of those facial expressions and things, but half the time we're in the car and her AirPods are weird and my Bluetooth speaker is awful. And so the conversation can become a bit strained, but we keep talking. We don't give up. We push through that strain and we have to work a little harder to maintain the relationship and make sure the conversation is impactful, but we still keep talking. It makes sense that when we're trying to talk to a God who we can't see, we can't touch, and most of us will never audibly hear in our lives, it can feel a little bit strained. But Ecclesiastes points to this connection that we already have with Him, even if we haven't fostered it, even if we haven't developed it. It says He planted eternity in the human heart. Eternity is a piece of Him. This is the place where we get to go and dwell with Him. We get to be with Him for all of our days, for all of our time, forever and ever. Amen. God is always with us, by our side, more often than my mom could ever be. All we have to do is start talking to Him. The longing for this time of eternity is satiated by conversation in relationship with God. Some of you may have felt like you have no purpose, but this tells us you are here for a purpose. You are here to love God and to love people. And when our time on earth is complete, we can be with Him in eternity again. 
But in order to get there, we have to pray. God, I thank you so much for each and every person that is listening to this message today. My prayer for them today is that you would be showering with them with love, that you would be pulling on that connection to eternity that you've placed in their heart, God, that they would love you, that they would know you, and that you would plant right now a desire to develop this language, to develop this relationship so that they can continue to grow closer to you that they would love you, that they would love the people around them, and that there would be so much eagerness to talk with you again. I thank you for all of these people. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for listening Dwell at Home. We are so excited that you're listening here. If you happen to be based in the city of Omaha, just a reminder that next Sunday, February 26th, we'll be launching our in-person experience at our Omaha campus, that we will be there at the living room at Mastercraft at 10 a.m. with a new series, Come to Your Senses. We hope to see you there.